And welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of The Jerry Lawler Show here on Podcast One. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you so much for all of your support that you've shown us. Uh, just the usual pleasantries up front. Please feel free to subscribe, leave reviews, follow us at Lawler Show on Twitter, follow my co-host at Jerry Lawler. Uh, but I am excited out of my mind today. In my opinion, there are two candidates for the greatest feud in the history of professional wrestling. One is Austin and McMahon because it launched WWE from being a, a second place company to a, a global billion dollar corporation. The other one carried a weekly territory for four and a half years and drew the highest TV ratings in the history of pro wrestling in any market. Uh, often selling out an 11,000-seat building every Monday night as well as other buildings throughout the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I have on the line with me the King Jerry Lawler and Mr. Jimmy Hart. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, for me, I'm doing great. I'm just uh, on the third day of my Road to WrestleMania tour. You know, it's 36. Uh, WrestleMania 36 is coming up on April the 5th right here in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium. So I've been in Miami, Orlando, back to Tampa, so I'm all over the place. So it's great for me. Well, I'm I'm doing great as well, and I'm really excited to have Jimmy as a part of the show today. Anytime I can cross paths with uh, Jimmy Hart, it's, uh, it's always great because, Sean, I'm sure, Sean, you know the history. Jimmy and I go way back to our high school days. We both went to the same high school in Memphis, Tennessee, Treadwell High School, and uh, – uh, you know, we didn't really know each other in 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 high school, did we, Jimmy? No, we really didn't. But I, I thought you were going to catch up with me because I love school so much. What's the old joke? I spent four years in the twelfth grade, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but like I said before, you know, I knew about the king. I always loved professional wrestling, and I wanted the music. He went into wrestling, and and it's funny. Everybody in wrestling wants to be in music, and everybody in music wants to be in wrestling, right, King? Isn't that the truth? I mean, that's uh, that's all I could think about. Yeah, especially after. After uh, meeting Jimmy and and we worked with uh, Jim Blake got got us got us together and and uh, a bunch of musicians there around Memphis. Jim Blake uh, was a guy that, as a matter of fact, you know Jimmy, he, he still works for me. But uh, he I love Jim. I love him. Yeah, he came up with this idea. He says, let's let's make a record. Let's go in the studio and make a record. And I said, I can't sing. And he said, we we picked out this song that where you just it's almost like a talking type song, and and we'll surround you with a bunch of really credible musicians and singers and stuff like that. And I promise you it'll turn out good. And so he put this, his, this uh, studio session together and Jimmy Hart, who had been in the, or well, was still currently in the band called the Gentries, which as I said, back in, back when, when I was in high school, Jimmy and, and, and Larry Raspberry and the rest of the Gentries had a number one million seller record uh, that really like knocked the Beatles off the top of the chart. What year was it? It was a 66 or 60. No, no, no. It's like 64, 65. It came out right okay, in the middle exactly. of it. So it's on the charts on both, both years. I looked up yeah, Wikipedia song, and song called keep on dancing top five billboard. Yep. Hot 100 hits. Yes. It yeah, was. it was, uh, yeah, it was. And then we had a couple of mediocre hits. Cinema girl by Neil Young was the top 40. Why should I cry? thing we wrote, we went over to sun studios and did some stuff there. But Jerry would come to a lot of our, the, the places we'd play off and on. They'd be up in Tupelo, Mississippi, him and Plyboy Frazier on the Friday nights on the way back. We were playing the Ramada Inn at the time. You know, hey, the more you drink, the better we sound. Hey, you know, one of those gigs. Happy birthday to Mary Lou. And I'll doing that stick. And uh, But I'd go by the wrestling matches on Monday night and watch some of the matches and run to the Ramada to do our set. But the King's been so instrumental in getting me in professional wrestling and doing so much for me back in the day. I've always told the whole world, Jerry, I've had two promoters and two people in wrestling that I love more than anything. Uh, of course, Jerry Lawler and Hulk Hogan. 
and then of course uh, Jerry Jarrett, my first promoter, along with Vince McMahon. So I've been I've been blessed. I look in the mirror every day and pinch myself, going, "Damn, did I really get paid for doing this all these many years?" Uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, Hulk Hogan, great friend of both of ours, and and uh, Hulk just went some underwent some very serious back surgery, and you were just with him this morning after the surgery. Tell us about it. Yes, just came out. Matter of fact, he said, "Tell you hello." I told him you sent the regards to him and wanted him. He's doing great. He was sitting up and everything's beautiful. And he goes, "Jimmy Hart, right, I told you one more match, one more match." I went. Okay, whatever you you know, because we just came back. We just came back from Saudi Arabia, and, and of course, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were on Raw one night, and we were on SmackDown one night, King, because yep. I know you you were doing the the Raw thing with us and and everything. So, uh, like I said before, we're just blessed to still be out doing what we do with all three of us out there, the King, Hogan, and myself both. Jimmy, tell tell everybody about uh, a couple of weeks ago before Hulk underwent the surgery. We, you, me, Hulk. And uh, Ric Flair and even uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, joined us, and we all sat around a table at and uh, catering on one Monday before uh, Monday Night Raw. And the, I mean, we we probably sat there for over an hour, didn't we? Just just it was great. I mean, we talked about the past, we talked about the future, you know. And like I said, uh, you know. Uh, Cowboy Bob's sons, you know, Randy Horton is doing so unbelievable. And Hulk always says he looks like a wrestler. He looks great. And, and of course yeah. he is, you know. And uh, and like I said before, we just all had so much fun reminiscing. And a lot of the, the younger up-and-coming talent came by and said hello to everybody, which all just made feel good. Because these guys, you know what I told Hulk, we were in Saudi Arabia, right? And we, we had Team Hogan against Team Flair. And after the matches, I came in the back and I said, oh, my God, all 10 of these guys, our team and his team, when you're two feet away from them at ring side yeah you get so oh my god they're just all so phenomenal they were just i mean i, I couldn't believe it i should have paid to buy a ticket myself but everybody was so good these guys are great man well you know what i, I told uh, sean when the, all of us were sitting around there and talking eventually it, it, it all got every one of us had a big health scare problem to talk about you know me with my cardiac arrest rick with i mean you know with all the all the surgery and the all the health problems he went through recently, and then Hulk coming up with his back surgery and everything. I, I for for a few minutes there, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is this is uh, us sitting around reminiscing about all our uh, our ills and all our pains and and that sort of thing. But you know what? That that's would, just part of the game. After as long as the three of us have been, and the four of us, you, you were the four of us. Don't jinx me. I'm doing pretty good so far. That's Please true. don't jinx me. You were the only hey. one that had no zero health problems. That's great. Hey, but the worst the worst thing that happened to me is when you gave me a broken jaw. And then Man Cow up in Chicago gave me a torn meniscus, you know. So I've been pretty lucky, man. But uh, but I but you know what? It was a badge of honor to get a broken jaw from you. I love you. I always have. And I, I knew you said it was an accident. And I always would believe that. King, you just came back from a a major, uh, you know, operation. You know, with your leg and everything else, your broken leg, and you might have been a little rusty. And I maybe I kind of led into it a little bit too. So, but it's all good. <laughs> It it's all, all good, good, baby. It's all it's all turned out great. And speaking of all good, right now, Jimmy, you're you're like uh, they've really got you running all over the place because WrestleMania tickets just went on sale this week, and you're out there pumping and plugging and 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 doing parties and all sorts of stuff with that, right? Boy, we're doing everything. I'm kind of like the Jimmy Hart Blue Light Kmart special guy. You know, everybody needs a clown. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Thank you. But, uh, no, but I enjoyed it. Every year they bring me back. You know, last year I inducted your cousin, Honky Tonk Man, in the Hall of Fame. The year before, Hillbilly Jim. So this year when I got through doing it last year, I said, look, I've only got 17 more people to put in. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, 
And so, like I said before, I enjoy anything I do with the WWE. Uh, like I said, it's been wonderful for me. And, of course, my Memphis memories, oh, my gosh, those still will last forever with me, you know, with Jackie Fargo and Rough House. And, and we, hey, we got a chance to see Billy Superstar Dundee a couple of three or four weeks ago, you know. Yep, yep. So, uh, and he's looking great. But, uh, like I said, hey, a quick story here. One time King had me go to, to Nashville to pick up this red Corvette that he was putting up fighting handsome Jimmy Valiant, right? <laughs> and so I go up there, and I call the King back. I'm going, King, oh, we got a major problem. He goes, what? I said, I just picked the car up from Jimmy Valiant, and there's all these marijuana seeds in the bottom of the car. And he went, what? Oh, my God. So he called Jimmy Valiant and says, Jimmy, please. You know, we got a pretty clean territory down here, but Jimmy Hart just picked the car up, and there was marijuana <laughs> seeds all in the car. And he goes, no, Kingfish, that wasn't marijuana seeds. He said, I got one of those damn burgers over at, uh, one of, I forget, one of, the, uh, one of the places. And he said, I hate those seeds on top of it. So I scraped all the seeds off, and I put them in the floor of the car. So I thought they were marijuana, and I'm going, oh, my God. But uh, that shows what I know about drugs, right? But yeah, uh, that, that was a quick, crazy story, wasn't it? I, that's one of my favorites, that uh, you were just so new in the business and wanted, wanted to be so helpful and everything. We were so worried. Like you said, we had a really, really clean territory at the time, and we were Ooh. bringing in handsome jimmy and of course he you know had no idea that he was probably the cleanest guy in the in the in the, in yeah, the territory awesome. but we didn't know that much about it at that time and 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 handsome jimmy had scraped off a bunch of sesame seeds off the top of a bun probably a big mac or something like that right right and, and all of a sudden jimmy found those in in the car and said oh my gosh this guy's a big dope smoker but then he and it, it took, didn't turn it took me an, yeah it took me an hour to clean him up i'm scared to drive the car from nashville back to uh, memphis i'm afraid i get pulled over i'm going oh my god stick around we've got more to come on the jerry lawler show Monday night is podcast night for the Los Angeles Lakers. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's, Let's get, get it. it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Okay, now. you're calling your shot again. A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, it's, a, it's a very clear message. It's two stars in LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court, I think in this case this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome back to the Jerry Lawler Show. How did it all start? Because originally Jimmy was your manager, but he didn't really talk at all. It was when you turned heel um, in 79 and Jimmy would accompany you, but he didn't really say anything. How did that whole thing get started? You may lead into it, King. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here's what happened. Jerry Jarrett had called me about doing a, a video and a tape on Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Remember that, King? Yeah. So I went in, I did a song for him because him and Jerry, I thought were partners. I mean, they were, you know, and so I went in and did it. And so, uh, you know, I went and they, they sent a camera crew down for me to, to film the, the video. And so I did all of it. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, one day, Jerry Jarrett called me and goes, have you got that song video? He goes, okay, well, look, Lauder just called me. Don't tell me you've got it. And I go, why? 
And he goes, well, you, you'll learn later on. But then, so King called me, and I didn't want to ever lie to the King because, you know, and um, and so King called me. And back then I was just doing promotion for him. So when the King called me, he said, Jimmy, did you cut a song on Jimmy Bay? I said, yeah. Did you cut a video? Yeah. He said, did you do it on your own? I said, King, look, do you think I've got enough clout to call Jerry Jarrett and go, hey, Jerry, I want to cut a song on Jimmy Bay. I'll pay for it myself. And also, I'll film it myself with my own camera crew. Come on, please. <laughs> and and so King realized that I wasn't lying to him. I wouldn't lie to him anyhow. Then him and Jerry had their little feud going back and forth. So in the meantime, Jerry Jarrett comes to me. And when I started working with Lawler, he said, look, whatever Lawler wants, that's what you do. And I said, okay, just work for him. And so I got a little check each week for doing promotion, TV, announcing, pulling the the, the little people, I won't say the real word, but pulling the little people around, I don't want to get in trouble, you know. And so uh, you got to be politically correct. And so I'd pull them around. So I'd do everything I could. So I went and did a concert with Jerry Lawler, which is, we had about 2,000 people in a place that hold 1,200, you know, at Malcolm Theater. So I went down and did that. And uh, so the next day I was supposed to be in Blyville that night. But Jerry, he, Jerry Jarrett said, hey, work for Jerry Lawler, whatever he wants. So I went and did the concert with him. So the next day Jerry Jarrett flies in, Mr. Coffee picks him up, and he goes, Mr. Coffee, how Blyville do? Oh, it was horrible. Jerry Lawler wasn't there because Jerry Jarrett wanted Lawler to be in every town because they were in every town. They usually sold out. Well, that particular night, Lauder was in concert, so I went with him, and I was, that was my promotion of the town. I did promotion, but I wasn't there, right? So now we get to the wrestling. After the wrestling's over, Jerry Jarrett goes, Jimmy, you wasn't in blah, blah. I said, no, sir, I wasn't. I was with Jerry on a concert. He goes, well, I'm going to have to fire you and let you go. And I said, fire me for what? And he goes, because you wasn't in blah, blah. I said, wait a minute. What am I missing here? You're the one that told me whatever Jerry Jarrett, whatever Jerry Lawler wanted, that's what you do. So that's what I did. He goes, well... I'll explain to you later, but I just I won't be able to use you. You'll probably make me some money one day. And I said, okay, thank Now, in my mind, I'm going, okay, bitch, trust me on this. You'll pay for this because I got the tape and the video of answering Jimmy Valiant, right? And so I didn't say nothing. So all of a sudden, a week later, Jerry Jerry calls me. Jimmy, I need that video. I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I don't work for you anymore. And so I hung up. So then Lawler calls me, and he goes, Jimmy. I knew I was hooked. I said, listen, uh, I, we need that video. And I said, no, King. I said, I'm devastated. He goes, well, I want you to try to do the managing thing with me. Can you ride with me up to uh, Jonesboro, Tennessee, and let's talk about it. And so we rode to Jonesboro, and he said, look, here's what I want to do. We really need that video, but I really, I, I think, the world of you, I think you can be an asset to us. Jerry Jarrett kind of don't see it that way, but I'm going to start doing the book again because Lauder would do the book for three or four months, and then Jerry Jarrett would do it. They'd take turns doing it. We came in, so Jarrett shot this hell of an angle one night with uh, Jimmy Bayett where he got busted over the head with guitar and all that stuff, so that led to a lot of other stuff. And then one night he goes, all I want you to do is Monday night, come to ringside. I gave Lauder and them the take, come to ringside. I want you to sit with Lance Russell, and when I raise my hand up at this certain time, I want you to throw me the chain. I'm going to knock him out. we got a hell of a program going, okay, great. Well, Lauder didn't tell me to lob the chain in the ring where everybody could see it. I threw it like a baseball, like 95 miles an hour. Lucky for me, Lauder missed it, but it hit the middle rope and wrapped around it, and all Lauder had to do was reach back, grab it, put it on his hand, bam, knock him out, you know. And the next thing you know, I'm in professional wrestling. But, um, you know, it was just a crazy way it all took place. Yeah, that's that's the, that was the initial uh, experience of Jimmy being part of the uh, managing thing. But, man, mm-hmm. I guess, like you said, Sean, at first I probably didn't realize, I should have realized, because of the fact that he was an entertainer and, and, you know, had all these hit records and, and, and of course, had to talk to the audiences between uh, when he was singing and at, at all of his shows and that sort of thing. I should have realized it, but I guess uh, I, I guess I just didn't 
I took it for granted or, or didn't realize that he would be as great a talker as he was, but it didn't take long. I mean, he was just out there with me for a few times. And, uh, I, I, and I think if we look back on it, I think I didn't, when we first brought him out there, we didn't try to say that he was my manager or anything. He's just a, like, almost like a fan from the audience. And then, you know, right, we, right. we went to school together and all that sort of stuff. So that may right. have been the reason he didn't talk a lot, but once he, once he opened that mouth, that's what that's, Hey, that's why he became known as the mouth of the South. This guy could he can talk uh, out, talk anybody. He could have talked Nixon out of Watergate. When Jerry broke his leg playing football, you know, it was a disaster. He was the person the whole territory was built around. You had barely talked on TV at this point. And then Jerry right. Jarrett, for some reason, believed in you enough to basically build the promotion around you. And you cut the infamous racehorse promo about shooting a racehorse when he breaks his leg. And we were off and running for four and a half years. What was that like, that pressure on you that all of a sudden the entire Memphis territory was was riding on you practically? Well, scary, really, because first of all, I really idolized the king, still do, you know, and I don't mind ever saying that. I've always said it to him. But uh, I was such a fan anyhow. And then all of a sudden, here, I left the band, so now all of a sudden, I'm looking like, man, I feel like I'm out of a job now, too. Lawler's in the hospital. I'm out of a job. But uh, what happened was uh, Jerry Jarrett and them called me. Uh, first of all, Bill Dundee calls me, goes, Jimmy, were you playing football with the king? No, sir. He said, well, lucky for you, you still got a job then, because, you know, Jared hated that, because everything was built around Lawler. You know, everything was built around him. And so this was the first time they were going to have to go without the king, whether he was a heel or baby face. So it was a big thing to do. So they called me and said, look, we've got an idea. You, this week we're going to come to Evansville, Indiana, or Louisville, Kentucky, excuse me, and we're going to bring Lance up and everything because what you say on TV coming up this next uh, Saturday is going to either make or break this territory. So we came up there. We turned the uh, mattress upside down in the room to make it look like a the platform how it was going to be and we kind of went over a few things and and i don't mind telling you that saturday at tv i was a nervous wreck completely and so you know i went out and it, hopefully it came on we crowned the new king of memphis it was going to be precious paul lettering handsome jimmy Valiant, ali hassan or, or somebody else we had so i came out and i crowned uh, paul ellering well by doing it we kind of made it really hokey but the people went in, went for it you know, it was like I crowned him because he didn't have the confidence that Handsome Jimmy had. So Handsome came out and goes, what about me, Jim Bowie? Jim Bowie, what about from Memphis? What about Handsome Jimmy? So we got in the ring with Dundee, and we had this strap. And we were all strapping Dundee. So I said, Handsome Jimmy, come on out get you some, baby. Come on. Handsome came out. Woo, mercy. And so he grabbed the strap. But instead of hitting Dundee, he started whipping all of us. So him and Dundee tagged up together against uh, a three-way thing, me, Ali, Hassan, and the Iranian assassin uh, back in the day. And so um, uh, thank God the people wanted to see it till we could get the king back. So we survived until Jerry came back. And then when he came back, everything was box office. That's when we brought in everybody week after week after week to fight uh, the king. And that's when we brought Hogan in as Terry Bol Boulder or Bolea. He'd been there years before, but we brought him in, and that's how Hulk and I had our relationship then, and, and I had the king. So I was living the dream, man. I'm in the ring with the king and, and Hulk Hogan, which was Terry Bollea back then, you know. So that's how it really all started kind of in a nutshell. And, you know, the cool thing about Jimmy was what – and I'll never forget that one line because I watched it a thousand times. But uh, after I, I broke my leg and I'm laying up there in, in Hendersonville with a big full leg cast on, and then that Saturday morning – Jimmy went out there with the crown, and his the famous words were, Lance, what do you do with a horse when he breaks his leg? Right? A racehorse. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, I said, and, I don't know. And, and Lance, shooting. And, 
Yeah, and Lance led into it great, too, because he goes, we'd like to bring, whether you like Jimmy Hart or not, uh, the confidant to Jerry the King Lawler, and we just want to, everybody's heard about it here in Memphis, but, you know, all over the wrestling world's talking about it. So, Jimmy, have you got anything to say about the, the King's condition or anything? And I said, who? He goes, oh, come on. But right off the bat, the people went into it. They, I mean, they booed the crap out of me, and Lawler, just they loved him. Because I think they always wanted to love the king, you know. And uh, But they, you know, but he was such a great villain at the time. But all of a well, sudden, and, and, it, that, it worked. That made, that made you, Jimmy, such a great villain in the fact that the heat that you got from that, and you maintained it the whole time, it made it so that, that Jimmy was, until he left to go to WWE, he was the real I mean, he was the backbone of the territory and the fact that Jimmy had so much heat that he could, we could bring in a total unknown guy and put him with Jimmy and we'd draw money um, against me. You know, I mean, there was so much heat between Jimmy and I. I mean, and we did that so many times. I mean, guys that uh, were not unheard of, but just Jimmy would go out and put them over and say, oh, this, this, I finally found the guy that's, that's going to kill Lawler. I finally found the guy that's going to put Lawler out. And it could be just anybody. And and we would we would draw with it, you know, just because well, of the Well, I started. Jimmy. Remember, King? I started by going, "This is the greatest day of my life, Lance yes. Russell. Guess what I've got now?" But but let me tell you how smart the King really is. One day we were two two quick things. Here, I'll tell you. One day we're out the back, and we had two outfits for the Blues Brothers. Porkchop Catch was there, but I think Butch Reed or somebody was going to be the other one. The King was buying because of, of of difficulties, he couldn't make it in for whatever happened, plane or something. So he goes, Jimmy. We're about 30 minutes from TV. Go out back, see if anybody wears this size 52 jacket. I ran out the back, and there was a guy called Mad Dog standing there. I went out, and I said, hey, buddy, what's your name? He goes, Mad Dog. I said, have you wrestled about three months? I said, that's good enough. Let me put this jacket on. Can you fit? I said, oh, it fits great, man, beautiful. I said, look, here's a hat. Would the hat fit? Okay, awesome. I ran back and said, King, I think I found him. He goes, well, don't let him talk, for God's sake, just in case, and let Porkchop do the talking. And, and Lawler goes, here's what you're going to do in the ring. Let Porkchop do everything. All you do is come in the end and hit in the rope and splash one, two, three, and that's it. Dance on the way out. That worked. It was unbelievable. The other time, somebody didn't show up because of weather. That was coming in on a Monday night. We walked out the back, see if anybody, I've got a mask here, see if anybody can wear it. I went out the back, and there was a guy named Troy Graham out there. And I said, hey, who's been wrestling for more than 48 hours, you know? And so the guy goes, hey, I can't. I said, can you talk? He, he said, yeah. I said, well, come on in the bathroom. So I went back to said, King, I think I found the guy. It's pretty good size. He looks pretty good. And he goes, what's his name? Troy Graham. He goes, I don't think I've ever heard of him. He goes, well, take him in the bathroom, see if he can cut an interview. Okay, I walked in the bathroom, and all of a sudden he did like a dusty rose in the room. I'm the man that walked the ball fire fence. I'm, you know, all that stuff. And I went, oh, my God. Put the mask on him, came back, and told King. He goes, well, I hope you're right on this one. I said, I am, I promise. We took him out, did it. All of a sudden, it was off and running. But, but Lauder's always had that Dream quick, machine. spontaneous Dream type thing. Dream Machine, that was yeah, him. Man. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I swear, I, that turned out to be one of their greatest oh. uh, workers and, and programs and relationships. I love Troy Graham. I love Unbelievable. He was just the greatest guy ever, and uh, we did we drew so much money. But that's the guy I came back from the after being off for an entire year with the broken yes. leg. Yes, yes, and drew money. Yes, Dream, uh, Dream Machine and, and Jimmy Hart. And, yeah, he was – it's so funny. And, of and, course – And what, what, probably what you didn't explain is you say you went out back. He actually went out of the out and, and was talking to people that in had the lot. to come in to watch the wrestling show. Right, and right, these right. Guys were, these guys were, were standing there with tickets to come in to watch wrestling that morning, and Jimmy's canvassing the area to look and see if there's anybody that might be, you know, <laughs> want to be wrestlers that, that are just coming to the show. And that's that's how he came upon two two great guys, Mad Dog and, and Dream Machine. 
But here's two more, two great ones that King put together, Kamala, the Ugandan giant, and Lord Humongous. Yep, yep. Remember that? Yep. But King's always oh come up with the craziest things. Well, we, yeah, I mean, you and I both, it was it was awesome. I mean, it was just, that's what I'm talking about, that Jimmy had the ability to know better. I mean, I could I put a Halloween mask that I'd bought, you know, on, on somebody, and, and Jimmy could go out and, and make an interview for him, and the people would think, this this is a monster. This is the greatest guy that's ever come down the pike, you know. And uh, that was that was the great thing about Jimmy. And still, still to this day, I mean, he's done the same thing once he left there and went to the WWE. I mean, you know, the mouth of the South, they could put anybody with Jimmy, and and uh, he would be the, you know, he would be the mouthpiece for him and make him draw money, make him sell out. But you, but you know what? What I learned from Memphis, though, I'd, I'd love to be on time, dependable. I don't think I ever missed a shot, you know, when I was sick, torn my neck, right. anything. But uh, but uh, when I went to New York, it kind of – what I had in Memphis kind of led over to that because I remember one time Lou Albano, Fred Blassie, Mr. Fuji all got me and go, Jimmy, you're going out three or four times a night. He goes, we only go out one time. We take the jackets. We still probably make more money than you do. And I said, well, look, you know what? He, they said, probably you won't be here more than six months. You won't have any heat on you. I said, well, listen, in Memphis, I went out three or four times a night, and we survived. But I said, you know, this is my job. This is what I love doing. I don't mind going out there. And I said, it's not – I feel like I'm the hood I'm on, a, on the cattle. The guys were the Cadillac, and I'm the hood on them. You know what I mean? And I said, I want to be with them. And I don't – thank God I did it now because now when you watch the network for nine ninety nine a month, uh, I'm on all the videos and all the tapes are out there because I went out three or four times a night, you know. So I was right. just blessed by having all these Memphis memories and, and being part of that. Well, I mean, that's your, your work ethic that you've always had uh, from the, every tip, from the first time you got in entertainment, not just wrestling, but entertainment at all, uh, has been, you know, second to none. And I think that's a major part of your success. Who are some of the names, some of the many guys that you managed, uh, in WWE? All right. Let me start a few in Memphis first. Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Coke will be where the Birdman, Norvell Austin for a while. And of course, I had the Dream Machine back in the day. I had the, uh, oh, God, what was that team from, uh, that Dirty White Boys had the Dirty White oh, Wind yeah. and his partner, Dirty White Boys. We had them, the A team. We had, uh, uh, the Assassins. I mean, just a minute. Uh, Joe LaDue came in. You know, Hulk Hogan came in. Kevin Sullivan. I mean, Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah, I had Kevin Sullivan, Nick Bockwinkle, the Honky Tonk Man, but we had him as the kisser. You know, just <laughs> so many of the guys down there. But then, and Killer Car Croup, by the way, too. And then, of course, uh, oh, Rick Rude. I had Rick Rude and the Iron Sheik. Remember the Iron Sheik had a good run down there with us, too? And, of course, and, uh, Andy Kaufman. What about Andy Kaufman? Oh, oh, my God, Andy Kaufman, of course, the king. But then in New York, I was lucky enough to be on the first WrestleMania, and I had King Kong Bundy, who I managed in Memphis, King Kong Bundy against S.D. Jones, and then I had Greg Valentine against Junkyard Dog. Then after that, I had Jim Neidhart. Oh, Jim Neidhart I had in Memphis also. Then I had Jim yep. Neidhart up there, and about four months later, we put Bret Hart with us, the Hart Foundation. I had Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. I had the Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags. I had Dino Bravo, Adrian Adonis. Of course, like I said, the honky tonk man. I had the wrestling referee, dangerous Danny Davis, not the one that was with. Oh, the nightmares! I didn't. The nightmares were in oh, Memphis yeah, too, yeah. not the Danny Davis with us there. And then I had Terry and Dory Funk. I had uh, Dory Funk, Terry Funk in Memphis, and um, Brutus Beefcake, Hulk Hogan, and it's just to mention a few. And I'm sure I'm leaving out a few others on that or earthquake and typhoon. But uh, I think all together, Beefcake, so I think all together in, in, uh, up in New York, 23 different ones, singles and tags. And I think in Memphis, almost the same thing. But um, my, like I said, I look in the mirror every day, King, pinch myself and go, did I really get paid for doing this? I mean, it's been a dream come true for me. Having a friend like Jerry Lawler, oh, my God, and Hulk Hogan. 
two of the biggest names ever in this business. Like I said, I've just been – oh, and I managed Ric Flair in Memphis one time too. Remember that? You did. Sure did. Oh, yes, my God. So it's been well, crazy, me, man. Me, it really let has. Me, let me just say to you, when it, listening to that list of names and people that you've been involved with, it's like a who's who in wrestling. I mean, you you have helped – so many people with their careers and been involved with so many, so many major stars over the years. I, I would say that I would have to say that you've got to be, in, in my opinion, you've got to be the top manager uh, ever. I mean, who, who, who could come up with a list of names like that? Uh, well, I don't know who could come up with it, but let me tell you, here's what I think with the managers. Here's who I really love. And I really mean this. I love Paul Heyman. And I'll tell you why he reminds me of the Rush Limbaugh of professional wrestling. Cause if you listen to Rush Limbaugh, uh, King, you know, he starts off going, and now, let me tell you about and tomorrow, the throat, you know, he goes up and down, Cornette, yeah. I love Cornette, I gave him his first knee pads and elbow pads, uh, of course, J.J. Dublin was great when he came in and did Kamala, of course, but Bobby Heenan, always loved Bobby Heenan, but the thing with Bobby and Lou Albano and Fred Blassie and and Fuji and all them, they were ex-wrestlers turned managers, you know? So it was right. kind of different. I got to tell you this quick story one time. Christmas time, I'm kind of barely in the business. Here comes Chris. You know what I'm telling Christmas time comes yep. up. I'm going, God, I wonder what King is going to He goes, Jimmy, I got something nice for you for Christmas. Oh, God. I'm thinking, I wonder if it's a car. Damn, I wonder if it's a new car. And I said, no, nah, it can't be nothing like that. And I said, God, what could it be? I said, King, I bet it's a, a gold ring, probably a gold ring, something nice, you know, or a necklace or something. So King comes up. He comes over the house. They come in. The fire's going on and everything. Got our presents on the tree. And he goes, oh, let me go to the car and bring your presents in. He brings it in, and it's all wrapped in a nice box. Well, I know it ain't no car, and it sure ain't no ring because it's in a, a good-sized little box. I think maybe it's a sweater or something, something nice. He comes in with it. He opens it up. Now, listen, I wear an eight-and-a-half-size shoe, right? Okay, remember that. So King opens it up. He goes through the box. He goes, well, open it. And I go, well, I'll put it in the tree. And he goes, no, open it while I'm here. And I go, okay. So I open it up. I take my time, and I look in. It's a pair of cowboy boots. And I look at the label on it, and it's a size ten-and-a-half cowboy boots. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. I have to have ten pair of socks on for, for me to wear these things. And so later on, years later, I found out they were given to him by one of the boot stores, you know. But that was the king. <laughs> but that was, that was my gift from the king. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, Elvis Presley had ruined my had ruined everybody's or my gift giving because he was famous for giving away Cadillacs, cars, and, and right, cars and rings and and gold necklaces and everything. So I, I, had to, I had to try to live up to that, and I came up with a regifting of some old cowboy boots that I think Plowboy oh. Fisher had, had lined me up with those boots or something. I don't know. <laughs> ten and a half. I wish I kept them. Shoot, I only wear a ten, so I, I must have gave them away because they're too big for me. <laughs> But but that's what we that's how everything was in Memphis. We different. We, if I had my group of guys, we'd ride four to a car to Louisville and Evansville and all the towns, and it just and we'd eat at the same places every week, and it just felt like we were such a family. I mean, everybody. We were so close, and and uh, it was just the greatest experience for me on something I got to do what I really love doing, and it's part of my life that I'll never forget, never ever ever forget. And I tell everybody that, you know. Yeah, and it was it was there was so much fun when you're around the uh, all your friends and the camaraderie and everything, and that's what's missing today. They, you know, now everybody flies. I mean, I I flew over to uh, uh, joined up. I flew over to the show. Uh, last week in Manchester, England? England. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I spent like probably a total of, well, let's see, 11, 22, probably was a total of 24 hours traveling, you know, flying and, 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 and in a hotel area by myself. 
you know, nobody, I mean, even though there were hundreds of WWE employees on that same, uh, you know, on that same show and everything, you know, I, I came from Memphis by myself and I didn't, I didn't see anybody until I got to the, actually to the arena in, in uh, uh, Manchester. And that's just not the way it used to be. I mean, it used to be like Jimmy said, four or five guys piling the same car and you're, you're laughing and joking and, and having a great time for the two and a half hours that you're driving from Memphis to Nashville or however it was. And, and the same thing on the way back, you know, you talked to them, you talked about how the matches were, what went on in the matches. And it was just, uh, it was just a different feel to the business back then. And it was awesome. And that's how the young guys learned, but, right? Oh, sure. You could learn. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the things that's, you know, the only thing that you can learn now is, you know, in like say NXT and everything, when you're actually in the classrooms or in the, uh, in the rings, uh, working out down there in the developmental part, that's, you don't get to learn that. You don't get to have that closeness and everything that we used to have but, back but, in the day. But you know what, King? It's great. They've got the uh, performance center now for all oh, the young talent right. that they're finding around the world for, to be in NXT now because that's going to be the future because there's no more territories, you know. But some of those kids, you know, every win, I'm still, I love the wrestling. You know, I watch Raw on Monday night, love the King, and then SmackDown every uh, Friday night now. And, of course, I watch NXT on Wednesday night. So, I'm still such a fan and everything else. That's why I enjoy doing what I do now, uh, out doing promotion, whatever they call me promotion. You know, I have my jackets all ready to go, my megaphone washed and clean, ready to go out on the road with it. So, you know, I just, I love doing it, and I guess I always have been. But, uh, did you tell, and did I got you a tell everybody that I just did you, uh, painted you a new megaphone a, a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah, King painted me. You know what? I got to tell you this, oh, King. All of that started, and listen, I was in a pinch when they called me to be on the reunion show. Yeah. My, my other megaphone didn't work, so I had another new megaphone. So I said, the king will be there. Please be there. So I had these kind of these special pencils that I brought in to do it. So I brought it in to do it. And Jerry Lauder, praise the Lord, uh, was able to put me something together that I used on TV that night. Unfortunately, King, that this pencils I used, they've all worn off by now. So you have to do me. But you did a great job, though. No, you did a great job, so i got to get another one done. I love you. But other than that, everything is beautiful. We're just out doing WrestleMania promotions and everything else. And and, uh, I always still say the past is still part of the future as far as I'm concerned. And and, uh, it's just great to be back on TV a little bit here and there and to see the King on Raw on Monday nights. I love that. And, and you know, everything's been great. One of my favorite expressions that you've always said, and I, I I just told it to Mark Carano the other day, what's old is new. And that's, that's <laughs> yep. Every, everything goes around, everything comes around back again, you know. Well, it's like Dick Clark said years ago, you know, if you dress like the audience, you're going to wind up sitting in the audience. And that's why to this day, I still wear my stuff. You know, Jerry still brings a crown. You know, you still have the flashy jacket sometimes when you wear them. And uh, like I said before, I've just always thought about the things that I've learned kind of growing up in wrestling and in, in music that, that really still fits into what we're doing today. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys got to give me a little Andy Kaufman because, Jimmy, you had that famous thing in the studio where you two had a brawl and had to be separated, and then it all turned out to be best, a plot. Best fight ever, the best fight ever in the history of Channel 5 Wrestling was between Jimmy Hart and Andy Kaufman and Lance Russell trying to be trying to keep them apart. I, I, everybody, they, they swung at each other a hundred times, and I don't think either one of them connected during that fight. Uh, but it was the, the best, to me at least, the best uh, promotion, the best fight I've ever seen between any two wrestling people. It was great. Well, I think we almost got whiplash and wind burns, you know, from that. <laughs> and uh, I, and, and I swinging at him, Jimmy, you'll probably give him a cold. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, but but being with Andy, you know, a couple of times I'd have to, you know, Andy and I would wait. Till the, we were usually on the end match. Everybody was gone, and so he'd always want to go by after the matches and see Elvis's house. And so I had to go by Elvis. We'd sit out there and look at the house, right? And then um, uh, his favorite wrestler was the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers at the time. So we always talked oh, really? about him. Oh yeah, he really did. And then uh, Andy, uh, we would always go to. Um, uh, you know, we'd go out to eat sometimes. I remember one night we went to our big restaurant, Denny's, one night, and the lady there goes, Jimmy Hart, I don't know why, but I want to get your autograph, yours and Andy's. And so I gave her mine, and Andy goes, well, I'm not giving you the mine after my food comes. She goes, oh, yeah? Okay. And I went, just a minute, let me talk to her for a minute. So she left the table to get a drink. I said, Andy, listen, I got news for you. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything that I don't want in my food, and you better not either. So I think you better sign her autograph for us so she'll come in. He goes, okay, okay. He realized what I was saying because you, you never know. I'm not saying it was going to happen, but you just never knew. So he signed her autograph. But uh, but Andy loved this business, man. He loved it. He loved working with the king. He'd always talk about Jerry, how good Jerry was and how much he learned from it and just everything. And, and I told him the truth. I said, that's how I got in the business. But, but Andy was great. Yeah, he and he like like Jimmy said, he would love to go around town. I'll never forget one night he 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 showed up and he had been at Liberty Land all day, and he had these little pair of blue sunglasses on where they he'd gone by a a booth and bought these blue sunglasses, and he wore them to the ring that night. And somebody had painted Andy on the on the side of the sunglasses there when he bought them at Liberty Land, and uh, he, he was he was just uh, it, it's funny he was in, he was unique and he was. He was a little bit different, but not like, you know, I, I, people talk to me about Andy all the time and everybody will always say, was he as goofy and as crazy as he, as he seemed? And the, and the truth of the matter, you know, Jimmy, he wasn't, I mean, he was just like a normal, normal, cool guy. He was, he was what Terry Funk used to say, smart like a fox. Yes, exactly. He was great, but, but Lawler and that, that program was so great, so good. It really busted our territory loose because the first time we really had worldwide exposure, not, not only in the, in the USA, but everywhere, all over the world. They picked up wrestling magazines, different uh, territories were talking about it, and it was just major news everywhere with Lawler and Kaufman on the, the Dave Letterman show. So it was great for us, great business and, for us. And still, 30, 35 years later, I can't do a radio interview. I mean, I just did game day. I just did game day. On a couple of weeks ago, yeah. right? And, and Reese Davis, uh, you know, one of the commentators on there, mentioned Andy Kaufman. I mean, still, the, you know, to this day, everybody still remembers that. I mean, and that's a tribute. I mean, that's a that's a tribute to Andy himself because he was such a he was such a great talent and so, in my opinion, way before, way ahead of his time. He was so great. Well, I find him so interesting because he seemed to just realize how great of a form of entertainment uh, pro wrestling is because, you know, he was a hit sitcom actor and he was a comedian and things like that. But it sounds like his real passion, he loved being able to play with people's emotions through pro wrestling and the response that he would get from the live crowd. Well, that's one of the stories that he told me. And Jimmy, Jimmy just mentioned the fact that he loved, he idolized nature boy buddy rogers as a kid growing up and he told me one time and this is how it affected his his whole way of life as as being a performer he said when i was watching as a kid when i was watching nature boy buddy rogers on tv he said in my mind i could tell that he was intentionally trying to make everybody hate him which was opposite of what people on tv you know most people on tv want everybody to love him he said i could tell he was intentionally trying to make everybody hate him but i still liked him and and he said, I that that philosophy has stayed with me 
all down throughout my career. He said, I'm not a comedian. I've never told a joke in my life. I hate it when somebody calls me a comedian. He said, I hate sitcoms. He said, I'm a performance artist. And my greatest thrill is when I can make the audience either dislike me, but still want to come see me or make the audience uncomfortable. And that's in, in, in a nutshell, he didn't realize it, but he wanted to be a heel. Uh, and, and that's and that's where you know in wrestling it was okay to it was okay to just come right out and do that and in performing it was very difficult to do that that's why he always you know he created that character if you remember Jimmy he created Tony Clifton so yes. he could just could just walk out on stage and and be a blatant heel you know and so that was just that was the the wrestling affected uh, Andy's psychology from way early on as a, as a kid, and he and he lived it out. Finally, he lived his dream when he met up with me and Jimmy down in Memphis. He was awesome. We'll be back in a moment on the Jerry Lawler Show. You're listening to the Jerry Lawler Show. Thanks for joining us. Jimmy, can you tell me anything about uh, working with Lance Russell? Because the chemistry that you two would have together was was amazing. I consider Lance the greatest announcer of all time. Tell me about those interviews that you used to do on Saturday mornings with him. Well, what made Lance so special, it wasn't about him. It was about the talent and the way he sold tickets. You know, he didn't have to scream and yell and go, hey, Monday night, get your... I mean, the way he just did it with his voice and, and it was just something so charismatic about him, you know, and those Baxter suits that he wore every week. And, and he let Lawler, you know, pick a little fun at him in each week and he'd sell it, uh, but not trying to fire back on the king, but like, oh, come on, you know, can't, uh, you know, Jerry, come, you know, and it just, there was just something so special about him. And, uh, but he really sold a lot of tickets for us just by his presence and the way he did the promotion for us. He was awesome. Well, I always thought, Jimmy, and I told you this, Lance and Dave, they they were Memphis. Oh, wrestling. yes. I mean, oh, the rest yes. come and go. And even you and I could have come, come and gone. And there would have been all, there would have been somebody, thanks to Lance and Dave, that would have come along or, and did always come along to to keep the business going because they were the constant. They were so talented, and it's great, Jimmy. You know, I still have lunch every every Thursday with Dave Brown. And oh, uh, you're kidding! Every, oh my no, God! Every Thursday, and and he was just on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, but yeah, that's they, awesome! They, they were the uh, you know they were the constant. They were what everybody. They, they were the real friends people would invite over to their house every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. You know, was, what about mine and your favorite King, Jerry Calhoun, our favorite referee? Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. Hey, we're doing, he a had show. more time. Yeah. We're doing a show December the 7th up in Jackson, Tennessee. Are you on that? Are you going to be on that, Jimmy? No, Bert hadn't called me yet. Oh, well it's, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's gosh, I can't even think of now who all he's, he's going to induct people into, uh, uh, the Omen Arena Hall of Fame type thing or Legends of Wrestling Hall of Fame. And Jimmy, uh, Jerry Calhoun is on it. I'm sure, I'm sure Bert's oh, great. probably calling you. Yeah, he's got a. He's well, got you know a, what's so funny? I, I talked when I saw Bert a couple of months ago with you. I told him, I said, y'all ever use Jerry Calhoun? He goes, hardly ever. I said, oh, my God, to me, I think a lot of people would love to see him. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess, you know, probably Jerry Calhoun's probably been in more matches than, than you oh, and I. Oh, yes. He was, he was in almost all every of match. Every single match. Every single match every Monday night, yeah. And, Jimmy, you <laughs> With him. I'm sorry. Oh, we did off and on. I think down there we had a feud with everybody, Mr. Coffee, his wife, but that was in and out of the ring, you know, but not selling our gimmicks and letting us know about it. But, uh, I mean, we had so much fun with everybody down there. I thought DJs down there, just, uh, 
holy moly, the mayor. I mean, you name it. Hey, I'm the only wrestling manager that if I was in a program, I brought my own gimmicks. If, if, it, if I was going to get painted yellow, I'd buy the paint. If I was going to get strapped, I'd buy the belt, you know. So that's how much I love the business. But uh, Boy, what all kind of gimmicks did run. you do with you, Jimmy? We painted you. We tarred and feathered you with molasses. Uh, and the San know, Diego I'll, chicken suit. Yeah, oh, yeah. San Diego, me and Jesse the Body fought King. Who was your partner? It was San Diego Chicken and King against me and Jesse the Body, the former mayor of them, uh, Minnesota. But that's what Memphis was just some special and always be special in my heart. I always love it. So, I mean, for me to be with Memphis and WWE, holy moly, man, it's a dream come true if you love the wrestling business. But uh, that's what I said. What a great time now to be a wrestling fan. I mean, look what you got on TV. You got, the uh, like I said, NXT on Wednesday nights. You got SmackDown on Friday, Monday Night Raw. And like I said, you got the, the pay-per-views once a month. If you buy the network for nine ninety nine a month, so full right now. If you're a wrestling, you play it. Oh, it is, you know, and I watch all of it, you know. So I even pay the nine ninety nine a month to watch the uh, the, the the our stuff that we do. Yeah, so uh, yeah, no lie, that's a that's a kind of a rip off, isn't it? I, I, I every all the wrestlers, we all have to pay for the WWE network. <laughs> but I love it. it but it, it's so it's so uh, it's so much fun. You live part of the past, part of the future, and like I said, it's just. Uh, uh, you know, it's just great. It's, you know, like I said before, it's, you know, the King's still rocking and rolling. And I saw Dundee a couple of months ago uh, when I was with Jerry. And and it's just like I said before, I love going to Memphis. But every time they fly me in, they fly me in so early and take me to Jackson. I can't eat my food. I love my places down there. I love eating at Ponchos. I love eating yep. at the cupboard. I love going to Corky's. I love going to Topps Barbecue. Those are my – and then going by Lansky Brothers to see my main man down at Lansky Brothers where we used to buy our old Gentry's jackets years ago. So oh, – uh, you know, it's, like, it's all beautiful. Like, like I have, a, I have a club on Beale Street, right, right next to A. Schwab, where Elvis used to buy his. Oh, it's been, I've uh, been there. I love it. And everything, and then I have a barbecue restaurant out on Germantown Parkway. Of course, Jerry Lawler's Memphis Barbecue. But Jimmy avoids those places like the plague. He's got to go to no. Pancho's. He's got to go to. Tops. No, somebody said you didn't have beans, King. Somebody said you didn't have of baked beans. I have beans, of course, they're the best. And coleslaw, and coleslaw. Uh, I have all of that, of course. All yeah. right. The next time I get in, whoever books me, I'm hoping they'll book me a little later on the afternoon. So. As you can hear the fire truck in behind me. Yeah, you're right, is there. <laughs> Jimmy. No, sir, listen. it wasn't me, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jimmy, listen, we've kept you long enough, and we really appreciate you being on here, man. I, well, I King, I love you, I, and thank you guys for having me on. But, uh, you know, like I said, um, the Memphis stuff will live with me forever. I know it will with Jerry. It gave me my first break, and like I said, my four guys that I love to death, Jerry, Jared, and and, of course, Vince McMahon, my first promoters, and also the king who got me in the business, and Hulk Hogan. And, and he's going to make a comeback and have one more match. Yep. <laughs> Let me ask before you go, what is your secret? Like, yep, You look 20 years younger than you are. You Everyone says you've had this energy for as long as you've been alive. How do you do it? Well, I didn't have the money to get plastic surgery, so let that out. But I'll tell you what it is. I think getting up every day, lucky to be here, appreciating everything, staying away from anything negative. I've always tried to stay away from anybody that's negative because I think that brings you down too and i still eat fleens a lot of beans and potatoes still but um you know i've never i like the king i've never drank i've never drank liquor i've never done any drugs no matter what it might be i might have been contact high for some of my ex-band members smoking marijuana years ago <laughs> uh but i but i tried to keep away from it you know what i mean but uh it wasn't for me doing it but i've never done the drugs just like the king and and i've tried to and and hey do I eat a steak once in a while if it's burnt? Yes, sir. Do I eat a uh, uh, hamburger, cheeseburger? Well done, but not often. But um, my mother promised three things growing up. She said, Jimmy Ray promised me three things. I said, what, Mom? She said, never drink, never smoke, and never buy or ride a motorcycle. So, so far, 
I've, I've kept my word to her. So, uh, but I love you for saying that. But it's like the king. The king still looks like he did back in the day, man. You know. But oh, uh, we're. I guess both of us are just blessed. We're just blessed. Something about that Memphis cooking. I guess. You know it is, baby. <laughs> Woo! All right, hey. Jimmy. Listen. I love you, man, and thank you so I much. I love you, King. Final word from Jimmy Hart here today. Final word. This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. Love you. Bye. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, thanks to Jimmy Hart for making that appearance. I do not know how you have put up with that level of energy for 40-something years, right? Are you happy now, Sean? You've been begging me to get a hold of Jimmy Hart and have him on the show. I know I know, you really would have loved to kept him on longer, right? But I, I think he has a – he's certainly got to be able to wind down at some point. I think he's, he's just about uh, – uh, ready to wind down. I don't want anybody to ever hear Jimmy Hart uh, and anything other than at the peak of his performance level, which is like you said, energy, energy, energy. He's crazy, isn't he? Well, I mean, he he's amazing. Everyone says that you know he's just uh, one of the all time greats, and you you your feud was tremendous. Uh, you had chemistry together four and a half years in a weekly territory, the same two people going at each other, the way that you were able to keep that fresh every week, and he kept his heat, and you kept yours. It was amazing. We are recording this on Wednesday morning, and last night there was a kind of a shock to the wrestling system as CM Punk appeared on the WWE Backstage Show on FS1. Any thoughts on that? that? One of your old rivals is back in the company. Well, not back with the company. He signed apparently with Fox. Well, do we really know exactly what this, what the background situation is? I don't know if we should say. All we really know for a fact is that CM Punk was back on Fox TV affiliated with the WWE last night. And as you said, it came as a shock to everybody. I think, I mean, still the, the shockwaves are reverberating around the, the business right now. Uh, because, you know, this, I've said this many times over the years. I said, in the wrestling business, you never say never. And I would say, except for this case of CM Punk, I think you can say that he will never be back with WWE. And look, I was wrong. So I guess you really can never say never in, in this business. And, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the fact that he was um, my opponent in the la- one of my opponents in the last match that I ever had on WWE. That was my final match of the time that I wrestled. And uh, it was me and Randy Orton against CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. And after the match, I had the cardiac arrest and died on live TV. And then, uh, of course, came back. And, uh, but, yeah, that was the uh, that's my main memory of CM Punk is that he's the guy that I have my final WWE match with. I- Internet uh, fans especially love Punk. And, and everybody, you know, everybody loved him when he was uh, featured on TV every week. So who's to say at this day and time that uh, he can't be back and be back with the company and be as over as he ever was. And we are about a week out from WWE spending four nights at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. Uh, I mean, imagine that (laughs) you were there that night, Money in the Bank 2011. You had the famous call of saying it was like if the Chicago Bears were playing in the Super Bowl in Chicago. You were there the night that Paul Heyman came out to his music and had to address the fact that he wasn't there. So interesting weekend coming up for the wrestling business. 
Oh, man, I, I guarantee you. You need to watch this Monday night. Monday night uh, Raw is going to be in Boston, at Boston Gardens, and uh, I'm sure you'll find out a lot more about it uh, this Monday night on Raw. And you're right, the weekend of Survivor Series and uh, Raw in uh, Chicago at the uh, Rosemont Arena is going to be, I think, memorable, to say the least. All right, so we've been through so much today. Where can we see the King coming up before we sign off? Well, Middleton, Tennessee, uh, this Friday night, which probably tonight as we as we are recording this or was, as we speak as this is being released, my old buddy Grady Watson. Uh, Grady is going to run a show there in Middleton, Tennessee. I'm going to be up there for them. And then Toronto, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I've got something in my book here, but uh, I'm going to have to find out if that's still on or not. Every now and then I'll run into a situation where I'll, where I'll you know, pencil something in and it's in my book. And all of a sudden, as the day gets closer, I'll get in touch with the people. And they go, oh, no, no, and we had to cancel that. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm not really sure about Saturday. But I knew that, do know that uh, it's going to be a big weekend uh, and, at Raw coming up to find out more about the CM Punk situation. And to find out, I hope, hope, hope my buddy uh, Dio, who took the bullet for me there with, with Paul Heyman. I still blame Paul Heyman on this instead of Brock Lesnar, but took the bullet for me uh, with, with Brock Lesnar putting him to the announce table. I'm hoping that he will be back with us there Monday night in, in uh, Boston. Yeah, and lots of interesting things happening with the NXT invasion as Survivor Series is adding yeah. a third component to the uh, brand warfare this year. Yeah, that Survivor Series is going to be big. Uh, it's going to be as memorable as the time when I fought uh, the all the clowns are us. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I saw you tweeting about that. I did tweet about that. Some, well, somebody tweeted and I retweeted it because that was uh, – you know what was funny? Because somebody put on there, uh, well, this must have been a low point in your career after all the stuff that you did down in Memphis. And I thought, well, that's a goofy thing to say. I mean – I loved I loved those matches with Doink. I loved the whole uh, angle with Doink and his little clowns and and uh, the little what, what were those clowns called? Uh, I was like Wink Dink. and Dink or Pink or something like that. I, I called them Wink Dink and Stink or something like that. But anyway, then my my little kings. I I enjoyed that so much. I mean, I I always it's so funny uh, that made me think that like I guess people are thinking that that I think or that the wrestlers think about your, about your so-called legacy or something like I would, I never in one minute thought like when I'm getting ready to go out and wrestle a survivor series uh, against, you know, with the, with the clowns or us and the, uh, my little Kings and everything. Never once did I think, Oh gosh, this is going to make what I did down in Memphis look bad. This match and everything. I never had those kind of thoughts at all. All every night in and night out, I went out there. No matter what the match was, no matter who I was wrestling, no matter what the, the outcome of the match was going to be, I just went out there with the with the mindset of saying, "I'm going to make this match as entertaining and as much fun for the people and for the fans that are watching as I can." I never thought about like what is this going to make me look like or what this is going to make my, my le past legacy look like? That's, that's that those kind of thoughts never enter my mind when I'm going to have a, when I'm going to have a match, you know, it's just, uh, uh I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I had a, a lot of fun working that program with those guys. I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining, funny, and, and, and a lot of fun. And everybody still remembers it. That's why they were tweeting about it. Right. I mean, that's what you try to do. You try to make every match that you're in memorable. 
you know, I, I, and I've, that's something I've always done my whole career. There you go. Well, thank you so much. This was kind of a dream come true for me to be on the line with you and Jimmy Hart. And uh, we have a lot of things coming up, and we will be back next week. All right, man. So long, everybody. So long, everybody. An autopsy not only reveals how a person died, but how they lived. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter. If you like what you're hearing, check out more dark mysteries on your TV on Reels channel. There are shocking real-life and death stories in world's most evil killers, like the quiet neighbor nicknamed the Scorpion after he bludgeoned nine women to death with a hammer, and Rodney Alcala, the serial murderer best known as the dating game killer. Then check out the latest episodes of Autopsy that reveal what really killed screen and music legends like Walt Disney, Tom Petty, David Cassidy, and Batman's Adam West. You can find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. 